0: Amen. Guys, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me for our Scripture reading, for our sermon text this morning. We are going to continue looking at the first chapter of the Gospel of John. This morning we look at verses 6 through 9. This whole past week, I don't know if you can tell, I've had a cold. And uh, it's, my throat's been sore and dry, and it just, it doesn't sound right to me in my own head. I don't know how it sounds once it gets out there to you. But uh, bear with me. My voice isn't very strong this morning. So um, that might be a gift to you, you know. Plus, I'm hungry, so I warned them we might end really early. So, all right, let's read our our scripture for the sermon this morning. Let's look at John chapter 1. Let's read together verses 6 through 9. This is God's holy word for us as people today. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is God's holy word. Let's ask him to bless our time in his word today. Father, we thank you for the gift of Scripture. We thank you for the power of your Word, and we ask that you would bless now, not just the reading, which is powerful all by itself, but bless now, we pray, the preaching of your Word. Help my voice to hold up and to communicate the truth of your Word. Help me to just fade into the background and let your Word and your truth stand forth so that we can catch a glimpse of you today. Give us eyes to see the glory of Christ in this passage this morning, and be with us, And apply this truth to our lives and hearts and minds. For our good and for your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this morning, we continue with our new series for the season of Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. And the series is called, Jesus, the Light of the World. Light, as we saw last week, is a very important theme this time of year, and it's an important theme in the Bible. And so we're looking at this idea of Jesus, the light of the world, and we want to look at Jesus as the light from several different angles in Scripture. And to begin with, through the four Sundays of Advent, we are going through the prologue of John, the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. We began that last week. We'll continue this week and then after Advent, so the Sunday of Christmas and the Sunday of Epiphany, we will move outside of John chapter 1 and look at a couple other passages that touch on this theme of light. Last week, we looked at the dawning of the light, the birth of the Word in the beginning, the Word that was with God and was God, that Word through whom the Father created all things. God shines his light into the world, into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We concluded last week with an encouragement. We concluded with an encouragement that the light of Christ cannot be eclipsed by the darkness of the world the light of Christ will eventually vanquish the darkness and bring the long night of sin to an end at last. This is part of what we celebrate during this Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany season. We also concluded last week with an exhortation to look to Christ's light, to trust in His light to reflect His light in our own lives, to walk in that light, and to share His light with others. Today, we pick up right where we left off last week. Now, last week was a perhaps a deeper sermon than I usually preach. This week will not be a repeat of that, this week has a more directly practical focus about bearing witness to Christ, which is the topic of our passage, bearing witness to Christ. Now, this is, an, this is important for who we are as a church. How many of you know, how many of you are prepared to stand up and recite our church's mission statement? <laughs> Carol, go. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many of you know? Okay. How many of you know we have a mission statement? Good. How many of you know what it is? Not so good. <clears throat> now, Kathy's anticipating my next question. How many of you know the mission statement is on the cover of every bulletin every Sunday? including this one. A couple people know. Now you all know it's, it's there every Sunday, unless the graphic is so incredible we can't fit it. And that's up to Gladi. This topic's important for us because our mission statement, as the Forks Church says, we exist to glorify Christ in joyful community, through worship, Fellowship and witness. And that's the topic of what we're talking about today. So we believe at this church that bearing witness is part, an essential part, of our mission to glorify Christ together. It includes worship. We're having a great time doing that right now. It includes fellowship, which includes food. And we're going to have a great time doing that later but witness don't forget the witness part that's how we as a church remind ourselves to stay plugged into the Great Commission to disciple the nations and teach them how to follow Jesus bearing witness is very important to us as a church because it's important to Jesus and for the mission he has for us as part of his church <clears throat> so in our passage this morning <clears throat> excuse me in our passage this morning we are introduced to John the Baptist the forerunner of the Messiah the man who came from God to be the witness to the light and today i want us to do two things First, we're going to look at John's mission of bearing witness to Christ. And then second, this morning, we're going to draw some encouragement and some instruction on how we can bear witness to Christ today. So that's where we're going. Let's begin first with John the witness. In the other three Canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is an important figure. He is primarily known in those other three Gospels as John the Baptist. John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, because that's his specific ministry. He's sent to baptize. But in the fourth Gospel, that baptism ministry is there, but it's not center stage. In John's gospel, this figure that we usually think of as John the Baptist, is better called John the witness. John the witness. This is his primary role in John's gospel. His specific mission from God. It's to bear witness to Jesus Christ. So under this first point, John the witness, let's look at the mission of John and then the witness of John. First, the mission of John. We see the mission of John described beginning in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So first thing to see about this mission of John, it is a divine mission. It's a divine mission. It says he is a man who is sent from God. He proceeds from God. It's a divine mission. God raised John up and called him to an important heavenly assignment. The baptism ministry of John was ordained by God. And John was appointed to a very special mission. What was that mission? Look at verse 7. It says... He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So this is not just a divine mission because he's sent from God and by God. This is also an evangelistic mission. God sent John to bear witness to the light. And to baptize those who believe in that light, <clears throat> excuse me, and who repent. So bear witness to the light. Those who believe are going to be saved, baptize them. This is a gospel ministry that John has. The goal of John's mission <clears throat> is to bring about the conversion of Israel in order to prepare them for the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, which is just around the corner. It's an evangelistic mission. And the goal at this point in the big storyline of Scripture is to get Israel ready to bear witness to the light before it arrives so that when it shows up, they're ready to receive it. And that means they need to repent, they need to believe, they need to be baptized, They need to be prepared for the light that's about to come. Look at verses 8 and 9. The gospel author, John, clarifies that this John the witness is not Jesus, is not the Messiah, is not Christ. He says in verse 8, He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world John is not the true light. He's the one who's before the true light, right before that light comes <clears throat> into the world. John's not the light, meaning he's not the Messiah himself. He is the forerunner of the Messiah who is pointing to the light that is on the horizon. Later in John's gospel, I believe it's in chapter 5, Jesus is talking about John. And Jesus says, John was a burning and shining lamp, and you enjoyed his light for a little while. So John is a kind of light, but he's not the true light. He's just bearing witness. So I think of John as a kind of light in the sense of runway lights. He's the one who's on the runway saying, here's where the Messiah is going to land. He's pointing the way for the Messiah to come to arrive on the scene This is a forerunner ministry. It's a prophetic ministry because John is looking forward to the coming of Christ just like Isaiah was, just like all the prophets, except John is the last one before Jesus himself actually shows up. That's John's great privilege. He is the last prophet before Jesus himself shows up. He is the last one, the forerunner, of the Messiah, and he is pointing to the light that's on the horizon. John is that last prophet sent by God to Israel before Christ arrives on the scene for his own public ministry to Israel. So here's how we can summarize the mission of John. This is a divine mission because he's sent by God. It's an evangelistic mission because he's sent to bear witness so that others will believe and be saved. And it's a prophetic mission because he is announcing the arrival of the Messiah and preparing Israel for the day when he appears. For that day when the true light comes into the world at last in the public, visible ministry of Jesus That's the mission of John, divine, evangelistic, and prophetic as the forerunner. And most of the remainder of John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34, describes the witness of John. It explains to us the content of John's witness. So let's look at that together, the witness of John. First of all, John explains that he is not the Messiah. He's not the true light, but is instead the forerunner of the Messiah who has come to announce his imminent arrival, his any-minute-now arrival. John says he's not the Christ in verse 20, and he speaks in verse 27 of the one who is coming after him whose sandal strap he is unworthy to untie. In between these two statements, in verse 23, John quotes the prophet Isaiah and points to himself as the fulfillment of this passage. Look at chapter 1 of John, verse 23. John speaking, it says, he said, John the witness said, I am the voice of, the wo- of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. The passage he quotes, and he just quotes a little piece of it, the passage he quotes here is from Isaiah chapter 40. Let's go back to Isaiah 40 and listen to the quote in its original context. Look at a couple of the verses around it, and let's notice the deep connection that the first chapter of John is making here to the theme of light. This is Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 5 Isaiah 41 through 5 Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. See what he's doing? He's picturing all the obstacles to the Lord's arrival, right? Yeah, we, when, we, when we drive our cars, we gotta go on the roads, you gotta go around stuff, right? Because there's topography, there's hills and mountains and uneven ground and there's all this stuff you gotta avoid. He's saying in the day when the Lord finally arrives, it's gonna be like God just flattens all the hills, exalts all the valleys, so the whole earth is just flat across, so there's nothing in the way. He can just march right in in a straight line into Israel. That's what he means in verse 4. And he says in verse 5, here's the key part. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. This connects directly to what John says back in John 1 verses 30 and 31. Listen to what John says. He points to Jesus, he points to Jesus and says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. In the beginning was the word. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water. That he might be revealed to Israel Isaiah says, the forerunner will reveal the glory of the Lord. And John the witness says, he was sent to reveal Jesus as a fulfillment of what Isaiah said. The gospel of John is telling us in no uncertain terms that the appearing of Jesus is the revelation of the glory of the Lord, of God. Jesus is the glory of the Lord. John was sent to bear witness to the true light that was coming into the world. And now we recognize, now we see that the true light of the world is the brightness and splendor of the glory of Jesus. And this takes us immediately, directly back to the climax of John's prologue. Remember, everything in John's prologue climaxes around verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. The appearing of Christ, the word taking flesh and dwelling among us, that is the revelation of the glory Of God. That is what John was sent to bear witness to, to point people to, to announce, to get people ready for. The glory from on high is about to show up. Get ready to meet the glory of the Lord. And this word, we'll come back to this once we get to verse 14 in a week or so. It says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word for dwell there is the verb form of the noun tabernacle. John has turned tabernacle into a verb. We would say camped. You know, he, he pitched his tent. He set up his tabernacle and went in and lived among us in his tabernacle. That's what the word becoming flesh is tabernacling among us. Think of the glory of the Lord when, in, in 1 Kings descending into the temple. Once Solomon finished it and dedicated it, it says that the, the very glory of the Lord descended upon the place and rested heavy on the temple. Here Jesus is the place where the true light, the glory of the Lord God of Israel, resides and radiates. Jesus is the new and greater temple where the very glory and presence of God dwell among his people. Other places in Scripture teach this same thing as well. I'll just give you two other places. You can read these later for yourself in the context, and it's a wonderful study. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. First part of that verse says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance, the brightness, the, the splendor, the luminosity. He is the glowing glory of God in person. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 and 6, will say something very similar. He speaks of the light. That's our theme the light of the gospel, of the glory of God, of the glory of Jesus, who is the image of God. The light of the gospel. The glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then he re says that in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4. He speaks of the light, of the knowledge, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Jesus, he, Paul says in Colossians 1 15 and 16, he is the image of the invisible God. He's the image, that brightness, that glory that picture, that portrait, that image, that likeness. When you see the face of Christ, you see the glory of God, the glory of the Lord revealed. That's what John's saying. Hang on to your seats, boys. It's coming. <laughs> Jesus is on the horizon. Now, at this point, in the, in, like John doesn't have a birth story, so he's not talking about the birth of Jesus in the main region. He means Jesus is about to start his public ministry, and when he shows up, you better get ready. <laughs> Because he's coming and he means business. He is about the will of his father bringing in the kingdom. The glory of the Lord is about to appear. And you better be ready. John's mission is to bear witness to the light. What does that mean? It means pointing people to the glory of Jesus. When you bear witness... When you go witnessing, as we sometimes say, what are you ultimately there to do? What's your ultimate goal? It's to point people to the glory of Jesus. For you, to just be, to, for you to just marvel at his glory in front of another person who doesn't marvel yet, but hopefully will soon. We do this in our own lives. We just get so excited about stuff. This brand new restaurant, this new sports event, this new opportunity, this new outfit, this new concert, this new book. This new, we just get so excited about stuff. And we just, boy, we just talk it up and hype it up. And you can just see it. And sometimes, sometimes I listen to a song and I think, I don't like that song. Then I listen to that song with someone else who loves that song. And I'm like, eh, it's not bad. Because there's something about someone else's excitement that just is contagious. And you just get excited about your Jesus in front of somebody and it makes his glory more apparent to other people who may not see it yet. When you're bearing witness, you are hyping up, marveling at the glory of Jesus. And it isn't just hype. It's real. He is glorious. There's something eternal and real underneath your excitement that they can see for themselves too. What's the glory of Jesus that John points to? He, he identifies two points of light, two points of glory about who Jesus is. He talks about, number one, Jesus is the Son of God. He says that in verse 34. And then he calls Jesus the Lamb of God in verse 29. <clears throat> He's the Son of God. That's who he is. He's the Lamb of God who does something, who takes away the sin of the world. Who gives himself in self sacrificial love to save others. That's what John focuses on who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Those are the two points of glory, the two focal points of glory that John centers on who he is, the glory of who he is, and the glory of what he did and what he accomplished. He's sent by God to bear witness to that glory, who Jesus is, what Jesus does. This is the witness of John. This is John the witness. This brings us to our second and final point this morning. Bearing witness today, what encouragement and instruction can we take away from John the witness... That will help us bear witness. Well, let's take a second and think about, before we get into it, let's take a step back and let's just think about the curious nature of John's mission. God sent John to do something that should seem a little strange to us. John was called to bear witness to the light. How do you bear witness to light? I mean, it's light, (laughs) right? It's it's bright, it shines, it's in your eyes. I mean, how do you? Why does the light even need a witness? Can't you just see it, right? It's just the lights are on. I mean, if I (laughs) if I say to you the lights are on in this room, and you say, oh yeah, prove it. (laughs) What am I going (laughs) to do? I mean, how do you how do you Bear witness to light. I mean, isn't light just obvious to everybody? You just see it, right? There it is. Actually, no, it's not. Spiritually especially. It's not obvious. Some people literally cannot see it. And why is that? Remember verse 5. The light shines into the darkness... And those who dwell in darkness do not see the light. And then it's interesting that in in Greek, John here in verse 5 uses a word that has a double meaning. And John likes to do double meaning stuff in his gospel. Use words that could go this way or could go that way. And it's the word for overcome in the ESV. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's sort of an opposition word, like the darkness is attacking the light, but the light overcomes it. But it could mean grasp. Not in the sense of seize, like an opposition kind of word, but grasping, like grasping something with your mind. Comprehending. And sometimes we say that when we, when we realize that what someone's saying to us, like we, we all of a sudden we get it, we go, Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It's, an, it's, a, it's a mind word, an understanding word. And that could be, as well, part of the double meaning that John uses here. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't get it. Does not understand, does not grasp, does not comprehend. Those who dwell in darkness, we read later in John chapter 3, not only do they not see the light, they hate the light. And they don't want to come to it. And I've said this illustration before, but if you're, you know, if you're laying in bed and you've hit, you know, it's Saturday morning. It's your day off. You've hit snooze a few times. or Actually, you didn't even set your alarm probably. You just, you just all right. The blinds are closed tight, <laughs> right? The sun's already up. Somebody comes in and says, rise and shine, <laughs> pulls the blinds open. I did this to Sarah one time. I said, I wonder how bright it is out there today. <laughs> and uh, we didn't have a, a nice morning after that. <laughs> Right? Why, why was that so just jarring and offensive, right? And she's done it to me too, so we're even. Don't worry about it. Why is that? Because when you're in the darkness and all of a sudden the lights just come on, your eyes haven't adjusted. You, you don't like the light. It's too bright, startling, jarring, overpowering. Oh, to close those blinds. And that's true spiritually. When you start Shine the light on people who are used to their darkness and quite comfortable with it and cozy in their darkness. Keep the blinds shut. Keep the lights off. Stay right here. So comfy. I don't need anybody. I don't need you. Go away. Right? When you start saying, actually, it's time to wake up, people don't like that. People don't like that. The light is offensive. They don't want to come to the light. People are in darkness. And so that's why the light needs a witness. The light needs somebody to bear witness To testify. Those people who are in darkness, they need someone who has seen the light to come and tell them about it, to bear witness to the light. And we can learn. We can learn from John's example and bear witness the way he did, so we can bring people out of the darkness and into the glorious light of Christ. So, how do you do it? How do you bear witness to the light? Well, you can take two approaches. You can describe the light itself, and you can describe what the light enables you to see. If I say the lights are on and you say prove it, I can either talk about light. Well, you see, light is this electromagnetic wave, and it has this frequency and this length, and it... I can start talking about light and like when the, you know, the electricity works when the switches flip the bulb is hot when you touch I can start talking about the light itself in some way or I can start saying well you can see all the stuff in the room can't you well that's because the lights are on you can talk about the light itself or you can talk about what the light lets you see two approaches to bearing witness to the light and John does both of these and John does both of these and so should you So should we. He talks about what he has seen in the light of Christ. And he also points to the light of Christ itself so that others can see for themselves. So let's see how he does this and let's see what we can learn. John talks about what he has seen in verses 32 to 34 in John chapter 1. Look what he says. And John bore witness. Here's what he said. I saw. Notice all the words that are first person and had to do with seeing that John uses. John says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him, on Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see, on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then John says, and I have seen... And have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's John's first approach is to talk about what he can see in the light of Christ. I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. You see John talks about, he bears witness to his own experience in the light. That is one way that you should bear witness talk about what you have seen in the light of Christ. Talk about your own experience with Christ the light. Talk about your own life with Jesus. In other words, first way to bear witness is to share your testimony. That's the first way you can bear witness to the light is to share what you've seen. To talk about the difference the light has made in your life. Share your own testimony. And if you're not sure how to go about doing that, let me just give you a simple four-step approach model for how you can share your testimony. And if you just know these four steps, you can make this as short or as long as you want, depending on the attention span or the interest of the person you're talking to. You can, you can share this in 60 seconds or 60 minutes, whatever they're willing to hear. So, it's a four step process for you to share your own testimony. Number one, what was your life like before you met Christ? Talk about your life before Christ, BC. <laughs> Number two, how you realized your need for Christ. When, when did you start to get convicted of sin or of your need for Jesus? Well, like, how did, you, how did you come to that realization? Man, I need Jesus. So your life before you met Christ. How you realized your need for Christ. Number three, how you actually came to Christ. Like your conversion story, how you got saved. Maybe you were four and prayed a prayer because you don't remember not being a Christian. Or maybe you were 44 and far from God and something amazing happened to you. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It just needs to be true to your own experience. What was your life before you came to Jesus? How did you realize you needed Jesus? How did you realize you were lost? How did you actually come to Jesus the day you got saved? And then number four, tell me about your life since you've met Jesus. Talk about how you walk in the light with Jesus. And you can say all that on on the elevator between the first and third floor. You can say that, boop. Quick, or you can drag it out and give all the details. It's very usable in all sorts of situations. And that's how you can think about bearing witness. What was your life like in the darkness? How did you realize that you needed the light? How did you come to the light? And tell me about what it's like walking in the light. Talk about your experience with Jesus. What have you seen? What have you beheld in your own life? That's powerful. That's a powerful thing to share that with somebody. And to say, look, I don't have any explanation for it other than God did it. I, I didn't change myself. I didn't make myself new. I just am new. And this is how it happened in my life. And how it keeps happening as I walk in this light. Share your testimony. Bear witness to what you have seen. Now, John also talks about the light itself itself and points people to it. He does this in verse 29. It says, the next day he, John the witness, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 30, this is he of whom I said. There he is. This is he of whom I said. "He." After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. John didn't just say, look at me. Look at my story. Look at my life. Look at my testimony. He also said, look at him. Behold the Lamb of God. Don't just look at me. Look at Jesus. Behold. See him. Look at that. Look at this Jesus. Behold Him. You must do the same when you bear witness. I want you to remember this this point. This is a very, very crucial point for this sermon. Take this home with you. Take this home with you. When you have shared your testimony, which you should do, you haven't shared the gospel yet. The gospel is not, look what Jesus did for me what Jesus did for you is glorious and important and you should celebrate it and shout it and share it. But when you've just shared your own testimony, you haven't shared the gospel yet. And so I'm telling you, don't just share your testimony, share his testimony. Don't just bear witness about your own life, bear witness about his life. And just like there was a four-step process to share your own testimony, there's a four-step process to share the testimony of Jesus. To say, behold him, look at him. Talk about, number one, who he is. John says he's the son of God. He's the word of the father, the word made flesh, the Messiah. Know who he is and be able to tell somebody, this is what the Bible says, That this is who the Bible says Jesus is. So number one, Tell them who Jesus is. Don't assume they know. <laughs> They've heard the name Jesus, but they don't assume they know the biblical content. Who is Jesus? Number two, what did Jesus do in his life, in his death, in his resurrection? Know that story, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The basic story. Who is Jesus? Number two, tell them what he did in his life. right His life, death, and resurrection. Number three, tell them what his, death, his life, death, and resurrection accomplished for us. Okay, he died on a cross. What's that mean? How does that benefit us? Well, it's an atonement for our sins. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So don't just say who he is, the Lamb of God. Say what he did. He died for us. And what did that do? It took away our sin. And what does the resurrection do? And what is the Jesus at God's right hand? What's that about? What does that mean for us? What does that accomplish for us? That's number three. So one, who Jesus is. Number two, what did he do? His life, death, and resurrection. Number three, what did that accomplish for us? And then number four, how do you receive him? How do you receive him and benefit from what he accomplished for us? And if you, again, you can do that in 60 seconds or 60 minutes. And you can, it can, like an an accordion, it can be expanded and crunched and stretched. You can just make it fit whatever situation you're talking about. This is how we can bear witness to Jesus. To talk about the glorious things he's done in our own life, and then the glory of just who he is and what he came to do. And once you've shared his testimony, then you've shared the gospel. You've told people about who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he accomplished, and what we do to receive it. We repent and believe. And Jesus and all of his saving benefits is ours. And make sure it's receiving him, not just his gifts. Right? It's receiving him who gives us these gifts. Not just receiving the gifts and then you know he's optional. It's faith in this person, Jesus. Repentance and faith. That's what John was sent to do way back in our text in verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And that's what we're called to do too, guys. You are called to be a witness to the light, to point those in darkness to the glory of Jesus. So let's do that together as a church and in our own lives as the Lord gives us opportunity. Let us follow John's example and share with everyone this glorious light, the light of Jesus, the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the example of John that you've given to us in the Scriptures. We thank you for his powerful testimony, his witness, his ministry and mission of bearing witness to Christ. And I pray that we have been encouraged and instructed in how we can do that for ourselves in your service today. We we recognize, Lord, that we are in a similar situation as John. That we are those who are looking back and reflecting on the first coming of our Savior Christ. But like John, we are looking forward to a return for the light to arrive once again in a glorious second coming. And Father, we ask that you would prepare our hearts for that day, that you would prepare us through faith and repentance to be ready to meet the Savior when he comes, to be ready to stand before Jesus when he arrives a second time, and to live in that light And help us to be bold, help us to be encouraged, help us to have confidence as we use these examples, these four-step examples for sharing our own testimony and sharing the testimony of Jesus, for bearing witness, for pointing people to the glory of Jesus. Would you help us to be bold and brave and give us opportunities to do it and help us be encouraged in those moments to take that step and, and just give it a shot and try to share our testimony and then share the testimony of Jesus and just bless, our, bless us beyond what we believed was possible in those moments. Bless us in those moments and give us fruit as we see you helping others to have the light dawn on them and we see them come to the light and worship you next to us. What a thrill and a joy it is to bear witness to Jesus. So would you just help us to be captured by that joy And give us a passion to share Jesus, to share the light, to walk in that light, and to be that light for others. And we'll give you the glory for it, in Jesus' name. Amen.